2023. It's got to be better than 2022, <laughs> right? I mean, come on. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, someone asked me the other day, what makes Summit Community Church so different? Right? What, what are we even doing here? I mean, it was a good question, right? I mean, if you do a Google search for churches in the, just the Holt Summit area, I mean, you're going to find a lot of churches. If you expand it to Jeff City and to Kingdom City and across to Ashland, you're going to get like a bazillion churches in this small little area, right? So just in Holt Summit alone, we have four Baptist churches, an Assembly of God church, a Methodist church. We've even got a Jehovah's Witness Kingdom Hall right up the street. Maybe even more. Maybe even more. This was just sort of a cursory look at how many churches we have in this area. So, I mean, that's a lot of churches in just a little small town, right? I mean, it's a legitimate question. So why are we here? Let me just ask this. Wouldn't it be better if all of us just go to one of these other churches? I'm going to say no, of course. No, no. And that may be strong, but let me tell you why. But in order to help you understand why I firmly believe that Summit Community Church exists and why I'm actually here today, we're going to have to look at the broader context of church in America. Okay, This is going to help us understand why we are here and why we intend to stay here and grow. All right, after I talk about the context a little, I want you to, we're going to look at the Word of God, specifically Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And we're going to look at how that is a basic model of what a true church should look like. And in this section of Acts, when we go through this section of Acts, what I desire and pray for Summit Community Church is that church, the Acts chapter 2 church. All right? So, a little bit of context. What is the state of religion in America today? All right, to put it simply, Christianity in America is declining I would even say dying, while paganism is on the rise. Now, to answer that question in one sentence, I think that's it. That's a very simple answer. But I can hear you saying, but wait, Brett, didn't you say there's like a bazillion churches in this area? Right? Yes. But did you know that one report says that between 5,000 to 10,000 churches close each year? The Barna Group, a church research organization is reporting that 20% of Protestant churches may close in the next 18 months. Now, if we have about 300,000 churches in America, then that means up to 60,000 churches could close in the next 18 months. Far more churches are closing, actually, than are opening. And across all the, the whole United States, all denominations are having trouble actually finding pastors to fill empty pastorates in churches. Recent statistics show that nearly 60% of all churches have less than 100 attenders on Sunday, while nearly a quarter of, of the churches have fewer than 50. And that's not because they're new. <laughs> a recent Pew uh, Research report shows that those people who identify as Protestants and Catholics have declined sharply over the past several years. The startling trend, though, is that those who identify as atheists and agnostics have actually doubled to up to 10% or more of the population. And the nuns, 
those that identify as no religious preference, they have none. When you ask about religious preference, they say none. The nuns basically are increasing up to over 20%. So if you think about this, now we have a good third or more than 30% of the United States now identifies as irreligious or no religion. Okay? What's more, while over 40% of the population of the United States say they attend church regularly, only really about 20 to 25% actually do. So I could go on, right? I could go on. And in fact, I would argue that most of the population, even many of those who identify as Christians, are actually practicing pagans. Practicing pagans who actually live more for themselves, the capital S self, right, than they do for the Lord they claim to know and worship and serve. All of this while Islam and some of the cults like Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses are actually growing. So why is this? Why? What is causing this severe decline of Christianity on the one hand and the growth of paganism and self-religion like Islam and Mormonism on the other hand? Okay. For some reason, the Lord has put this on my heart and I have been watching these trends over the past, let's say, 10 years or so. Reading books, articles, right, thinking about this for a long time. And I have actually come to the conclusion that Amos 8, chapter 8, verses 11 through 12 are actually coming to pass right now. Everybody says, wait, Amos? Who, who's Amos and, and, and what is all that, all that about? Well, Amos is a minor prophet in the Bible, okay? Minor meaning it's a short chapter, not meaning it's less important than the others, okay? But he writes in chapter 8, verse 11 through 12 this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. Now, of course, this has special application, right, to Israel when it was written by Amos at the time it was written. But... I also firmly believe that this is what we're seeing today. And quite frankly, I think this is what we've been seeing for decades in the United States. There is a famine of the hearing of the word of God because pastors and teachers have not been preaching and teaching the word of God. Consequently, we're seeing a sharp decline in Christianity and a, and a rise in the pagan God of self. Okay, why is that? Because this is what is being taught as Christian when it's clearly unbiblical. I mean, let's face it, right? Joel Osteen's book, Your Best Life Now, is not Christian. It is pagan. It is the pagan god of the self wrapped in a very thin veneer of Christian language. And I can name authors after authors. Go walk in Hobby Lobby or any Christian bookstore and you're going to find bazillions of books on how to help yourself with a Christian veneer, but you will, you will find very, 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 did I say very? Very few books on this book. It's all about how to help yourself to be a better person, to be a, manage your finances better, have better relationships, have better this and better that. It's all about you. 
And my friends, let me tell you something. Christianity ain't about you. It's about him first. Okay? Quite frankly, we need fewer people preaching the word of God, like Joel Osteen and Kenneth Copeland, and more people like John MacArthur, John Piper, Mark Dever, Bodie Bauckham. If you don't know who those people are, look them up. Okay? Those are the people we need preaching the gospel. So when the word of God is neglected in churches, then the church becomes nothing more than, quite frankly, a poor representation of a secular social club. So what should a biblical church look like, though? What should a biblical church look like? What should Summit Community Church look like? Knowing what it looks like, then how can we get there? Right. First and foremost, we must start with the apostles' teaching. We must start with this. Right? And this is described in Acts. The apostles' teaching is the word of God today. So let's look at our text this morning, and then we're going to get an idea of the New Testament church as it should be, and that's going to be our goal for Summit Community Church going into 2023. All right? Acts 2, 42 through 47. Open your Bibles, open your Bible apps, whatever you want to do, but please follow along with me as we read the scriptures. As they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is a beautiful picture of church as it is supposed to be. Okay, we're going to go through this in some detail. But first, let me ask, how do we get to the place where Summit Community Church is as beautiful as the first century church? I think we are definitely on the right road. We are on the right track. Okay, this text, though, describes the first century church because the first church in Acts followed Christ's command to make disciples. And this is why the mission of Summit Community Church, why we exist, my friends, is 12 simple words. 12 simple words. To glorify God, to make disciples of Jesus Christ, and to bless our community. That's it. Anybody can memorize that. To glorify God, make disciples, bless the community. Glorify God, make disciples, bless the community. And if somebody asks you, why does Summit Community Church, why are y'all even here? You can answer them very succinctly. To glorify God, to make disciples of Jesus Christ, and to bless our community. It's very simple. But then how do we execute on this mission, right? Through the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. By following and devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching. Through the primacy of God's word. My friends, I will promise you this morning that there will be no famine of the hearing of God's word at Summit Community Church. 
Okay, because we will be devoted to the word of God. After all, if we want to know more about God, if we want to know more about Jesus Christ, right? Salvation, redemption, the Christian life, what comes at the end? Where can we find all of these? Right here. Right here. The scriptures point to Christ. They enable us to get to know our great and wonderful God. They're used by the Holy Spirit to grow us spiritually, right? In grace and knowledge. And the Spirit also uses the scriptures as a sword to cut through the hardened heart and bring people to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Why is Christianity declining and paganism is on the rise? Because there is a famine in the land of hearing the word of God, hearing the preaching and the teaching of the word of God, but that will not happen here. I promise you that. Okay, so why are the scriptures then the primary importance? Why are they primary importance here at at Summit Community Church? Why? Because the primacy of scripture, okay, is modeled in the ministry of Jesus is modeled in the ministry of Jesus, right? As the apostles were teaching the first church in Acts, they were simply following what Jesus had done with them and what they had seen Jesus do firsthand, right? Many people call Jesus what? A rabbi, a rabbi. What does that mean? It literally means a teacher. And Jesus called his intimate group of followers what? Disciples, right? What does disciple mean? It means a learner who sat under a teacher and absorbed their teaching. Okay? Mark 1.14 says that Jesus came preaching the gospel, right? When the multitudes of people came to Jesus, he began to teach them, per Matthew 5, verse 2. Even after his resurrection on the road to Emmaus, right? These guys were walking around going, Oh my word, what happened? We thought this dude was the was the Messiah. What's going on? Jesus came alongside of them, and what did he do? He explained to them through the scriptures. What must happen when the Messiah, when Jesus came? So Jesus taught that group what the scripture said about himself. So the apostles were simply modeling what Jesus had taught them and what Jesus had done himself. Okay, so we at Summit Community Church will do the same thing. We will make disciples and we will be disciples by modeling the teaching ministry of Jesus. Okay, now additionally... Look at uh, Jesus commanded us to go and make disciples in the Great Commission and to do what? Teach these disciples all that he had commanded them to do. As we go and do our daily routines, right? We travel, we go to work, you know, we start the process of making disciples, right? By baptizing them when they become disciples, by teaching them to observe all that Jesus has commanded. And you're thinking, well, I'm not a teacher. Well, anybody can have spiritual conversations with people at work or in the neighborhood or whatever. Why do you do what you do? This guy's a jerk over here. Why are you so nice to him? Those types of things open doors for us to explain why we are what we are. Okay? First and foremost, though, we are called by Jesus to make learners, (laughs) devoted followers of Christ, through this robust and effective teaching ministry. Okay, thirdly, making disciples was practiced in the early church, right? In our text this morning, we're going to see that these new believers continually, continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. 
In fact, the apostles' preaching and teaching ministry is mentioned more than any other activity than they do in the book of Acts. John MacArthur states in his commentary on Acts 1 through 12, the early church set under the teaching ministry of the apostles whose teaching, now written in the pages of the New Testament scriptures, is to be taught by all pastors. Similarly, when people under the apostles' teaching were thrust into ministry, like Philip and Stephen, they preached and taught the word boldly, right? Sometimes so boldly that Stephen himself was stoned to death because of what he was saying. So finally, the primacy of the apostles' teaching and preaching is reinforced in the letters of the New Testament, especially in the pastoral letters of Timothy and Titus, but not exclusively to them. So Paul warns against false teachers and urges Timothy and Titus first and foremost to instruct their people on sound doctrine. There are 31 instances of the word teach, exhort, or instruct in these three little small letters. So the emphasis is clear, right? It's in in order to develop a true church, <coughs> excuse me, that is composed of disciples of Christ, devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching must be of primary importance. So the devotion to the Word of God, we saw, was of primary importance to the ministries of Jesus and his apostles. And my friends, if it was important to them, it's got to be important to us. Okay? So there will be no famine of the teaching or hearing of the, of the scriptures here, right? We're not going to be like other churches. I have been to so many churches who preach pop psychology, feel good, yet empty superficial sermonettes. We just want everybody to feel good. Or, quite frankly, especially nowadays, political opinions of pastors with little to no scripture support. Okay, I will preach what the Bible says about cultural issues, but it will be this, and I will guarantee you that it will cross the aisle on both sides of the political spectrum, okay, because we will not favor one political party or the other or one political thing or the other. That's just, we're not doing that. Um, so it's going to be central. Devotion to the apostles and the prophets' teaching will be central at Summit Community Church, okay? So if this teaching was so important in the early church, then how was it received by new believers and the congregations? To put it plainly, the believers uh, in the early church had a passion, a consuming appetite, and hunger for the apostles' teaching or the Word of God, right? Look at the beginning of Acts, right? 3,000 people were saved by Peter's preaching. Bam, they were cut to the quick. 3,000 people got saved. And all 3,000 of them were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, right? They were all spiritual babes. They were hungering and thirsting after the word of God. And this word, devotion, in Greek literally means to do something with intense effort, right? To attach oneself to or be faithful to, to hold fast to in, the, in, in, in persistence, be persistent. These new believers were hungry. Hungry for the Word of God, right? David Martin Lloyd-Jones, another individual that, if you want to look him up, you could read anything written by him, and it will be profitable for you. David Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote of the believer's desire for the Word of God in his book, Authentic Christianity, wanting to listen to the Word is inevitable if men and women are born again and have become Christians. A babe does not understand, but he has an instinct for milk. He wants it. 
Of course, this is proof of the fact that he is a child and not an adult. He is alive and wants the mother's milk, and rightly so. It is exactly the same with a Christian. One simply cannot be a Christian and have no desire for a knowledge of the truth. It is impossible. That's strong language right there. But Lloyd-Jones never pulls any punches. Okay, the first church was hungry for the Word of God. Now, secondly, the apostles' teaching was dedicated to growing lives, growing the lives of, their, of, of disciples. So these disciples had been cut to the quick by Peter's preaching, right? 3,000 of them got saved, and now they were intensely hungry for the Word of God, and they were growing daily. While the apostles were teaching these new disciples, right, they were themselves reaching out to friends. They were sitting under the apostles' teaching. They would go off to do whatever they did in their own life, and they were reaching out to friends, right? Verse 47 says that the, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So these new babes in Christ were growing from the apostles' teaching. They were then reaching out, bringing people to hear this teaching, and then the new disciples were growing, and the church was growing day by day, and the kingdom of God was growing day by day. My friends, imagine, imagine if that were happening at Summit Community Church. What if Summit Community Church grew week by week by week by week? Right? We would definitely be right, a gospel well overflowing with living water to all of Holt Summit, to Callaway County, and all of central Missouri. So what were the results of all this preaching and teaching and making disciples, right? So many church growth strategy gurus, like all these guys, go, oh, if you want to grow a church, you've got to do this. They say pastors must minimize the apostles' teaching and just be a helpful church. Talking about having your best life now, your best marriage now, how to manage your finances, how to feel better about yourself. Now, don't get me wrong. The Bible has a lot to say about marriage. The Bible has a lot to say about financial stewardship, stewardship of everything, quite frankly. All right? And, and it does have a lot to say about how to live as a Christian in the community. Okay, but the Word of God, though, is shelved in many churches and these things just come out of these, you know, self-help books, all right? But, the, but my friends, I'm sorry, that's, <laughs> I keep saying it, it's paganism, okay? When your entire focus is on yourself, okay, that means it's not the focus of God. It's not focused on God. But the question is, okay, Brett, that's great, but, you know, these megachurches are preaching this stuff, and they're growing. They're three, 4,000 people, right? Can churches actually grow under a steady diet of biblical exposition and teaching? The answer is yes, they can, and yes, they do. All of those individuals I mentioned, Piper, Dever, Bauckham, MacArthur, Lloyd-Jones, I could name a dozen more, right? All of them have relatively large churches, but they are solid in their teaching, this is the potency of the apostles' teaching, and potent it was, right? Devotion to the Word of God is never, though, the sole purpose of the church. The Bible is not, the teaching of this book is not the sole purpose of the church. It's always a means to a greater end, 
a bigger end. Namely, leading God's people into genuine worship, maturity, service, and outreach. And growing the kingdom of God to the glory of God. So there are six fundamental results of a steady diet of the word of God. So we're going to go through them quickly. But these are things I want you to keep. All right, they're in your notes. I want you to keep these. I want you to meditate on these. Go out this week, read Acts 2, 42-47 again. Look at these and see how Summit Community Church then can follow these examples of the first century church and be a church that glorifies God, makes disciples, and blesses the community. All right, here we go. Number one, a word-based church has authentic fellowship. And I know authentic is one of those words everybody uses, but it does have meaning. A word-based church has authentic fellowship. As these new disciples grew in the truth through the apostle teachings, they grew closer to the Lord, and then consequently they grew closer to themselves, right, to each other. And I always say, I always say, people come to me, Brad, okay, I got friends, we're, we're estranged, my wife is estranged, my husband is estranged, you know, I... What do I do to mend these relationships? And I always tell people, you've got to first, first focus on the vertical relationship, right? If you focus first on the vertical relationship, your horizontal relationships will fall into place. Okay, when you have a right relationship with the Lord, you will have a much better chance of having right relationships with one another. And that's what happened in the early church. You grow closer to the Lord, you will naturally grow closer to and love one another, all right? These new uh, disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and they devoted themselves to each other. Fellowship is this Greek word that means koinonia, koinonia, which means church. It means a unity brought about by the work of the Spirit, right? So we were all in one accord, right? We were all together in unity, So as we devote ourselves to the word, the spirit works in the word, and we devote ourselves to each other. Now, here's the takeaway. A word-fed church will be a fellowshipping church. A word-fed church will be a fellowshipping church. Okay, number two. A word-based church creates elevated worship. Okay, in verse 42, the new disciples devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Now, most commentators see this not as just eating together in homes, but actually in taking communion, in taking the Lord's Supper, okay? Um, So note that the disciples then were attending also the temple together. I think in verse 45, 46, I don't have it written down, but they attended the temple together and they broke bread together. So they fellowshiped, they worshiped with one another, and they took communion together. So when one sits under the teaching of the Word of God and participates continually and regularly in the Lord's Supper, which we're going to do today, the first of every month, then the heart cannot help but be elevated into the presence of God. Worship is our right and proper response as we are saturated more and more with the very mind and words of God. That's why I love, Brooks gets mad when I point him out, but his team, the worship team as a whole, I believe, does a great job with singing songs and getting us into literally the presence of God, the throne room of God, right? We worship God through song. 
So a heart with a passion for the mind of God is then set on fire with a desire to worship God, to give God glory. Okay? Colossians 3.16 says that when the word of Christ richly dwells in you, then you will sing with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. So the takeaway, a word-filled church will be a worshiping church. A word-fed church will be a fellowshipping church. A word-filled church will be a worshiping church. So third, a word-based church emboldens your prayers. All right, Verse 42 says again that the new disciples were devoting themselves to prayer. When the word of God is deep within you and you are nourished from it, then your prayer life becomes more bold and more powerful. All right? They were intensely committed to prayer. They clung to prayer. They pursued prayer with all their strength, despite sometimes the opposition that they encountered. Right? Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. And then in his high priestly prayer, in John 14, 15, and 16, I think that's where that is, he shows us how to pray for one another and how the love of Christ for his people knows no bounds. As we become more mature disciples and the word richly nourishes us, right? Our prayers will be bold and powerful. Why? Because we will we have we will have come to know that our God is great and powerful and big and greatly to be praised. Right? Summit Community Church will not serve a tiny God. I know we've all seen the Avengers, right? When uh, what's his name? Thor's brother. What's his name? Loki stands up and says, I am a God. And Hulk smashes him in the ground about 50 times and he's like, oh. And he walks away saying, puny God. Right? Remember that? Puny God. Let me tell you something. Some of the community church will not worship a puny God. We will worship the great God. Okay? So the takeaway here, a word-focused church is a praying church. A word-focused church is a praying church. So fourthly, a word-based church deepens our sacrificial love. Now, I want us to hear this. Verses 44 and 45 describe to us a love that literally shatters the whole I love me attitude that is so prevalent in America today. All right? And I'm going to read this. And all who believed were gathered all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. You're like, man. So no, this is not socialism or communism, okay? Because no one, especially the government, is forcing them to give like this, right? But the early church cares more for each other than the possessions that they have. Think about it. I'm going to tell, I mean, would any of us sell our own stuff to raise money to help a fellow believer? That's a challenge in today's America, I think. How many of us would sacrificially give our time, our talent, or our resources to those in need in our church? Okay, this is what devotion to the apostles' teaching creates. A church in which our love for one another grows well beyond our love for ourself or our stuff. Okay, this is intense concern, commitment, and compassion. So the takeaway here is a word-saturated church is a loving church. 
a word-saturated church is a loving church. Okay, fifthly, a word-based church multiplies our joy. Verse 46 says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. They worshipped and ate meals together in their homes. They did so with glad and generous hearts. Glad here is a word that means state of intensive joy and gladness, so much so that it, it usually has some sort of motion attached to it, like jumping up and down or, yay, you know, I'm so glad, I'm happy. The word generous means that it means the humility associated with a simple life. The humility associated with a simple life or a simple heart. So due to the gospel preached and taught, the new disciples worshiped together, they ate together, and they received what they had with great joy and the humility of a simple life. I mean, how many of us long for good friends and a simple life? <laughs> all the glory, all to the glory of God. Now here's the takeaway here. A, loving, a word-loving church is a joy-filled church. Finally, a word-based church awakens loving outreach. Okay, look at verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all of the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They praised God and the people looked upon them with favor. Now the early church blessed the community in which they lived. Right? The people in the community, I'm sure, did not all agree with them because many times, you know, Paul would go to some place and he would either start a revival or a riot. Okay? Yet, the Lord worked to save more and more people each and every day. God's word flowed out of their lives into these, you know, new disciples. And then it flowed out of the disciples' lives to others and was shared with those without Christ. Okay? Then the Spirit of the Lord came. And what does it say? The Lord added to their number day by day. Right? New disciples added. I mean, can you, can you think, think about this? And I said it before, I'm going to say it again. What if, Summit Community Church, what if the Lord added to our number every week, day by day, week by week, month by month? Imagine the impact. I'm not looking, I'm going to be honest with you right now, I'm not looking to have a, have a mega church, okay? Because my little mind, I can't know more than three, four hundred people at a time, right? Once we get large, I'm telling you, and I'm saying we will get, once we get large, we're going we're gonna to plant churches, we're going to do other things. Right? I'm not interested in a megachurch, but I am interested in impacting the lives of those in Holt Summit, Callaway County, and Central Missouri. That's what I want this little church to be. So, takeaway. A word-centered church will be a disciple-making church. Okay? So, what should our church look like? Fundamentally, like the church in Acts 2, 42 through 47. Summit Community Church should be a church that has authentic fellowship, elevated worship, right? Bold and powerful prayer, sacrificial love for one another, joy intensely multiplied, and a loving outreach to those who need Christ. Our mission, our mission is simple, right? What is it? We probably know it already. To glorify God, to make disciples, and bless the community. Glorify God, make disciples, and bless the community. And I would like to see Summit Community Church be the leading community of gospel hope and truth for all of central Missouri. And I'm not competing with other churches. I, they can do whatever they want to. We all work together, and if the kingdom of God is built, 
more power. That's, that's awesome. I bless all of them. Okay, because if they're preaching the gospel, the kingdom will grow, and we're all in this together, right? But my vision for Summit Community Church is to be the leading community of gospel, hope, and truth for all of central Missouri, right? A gospel, I say this all the time, and I'm going to keep saying it. A gospel well of overflowing living water that just floods this entire area to the glory of God, increases the kingdom of Christ, blesses our greater community, all by the power of the Spirit. How can we accomplish this? I believe that it is through the saturation of our minds and hearts with this book. With this book. And it can only occur if we devote ourselves to the message of this book. All of us, young and old alike. I'm going to end with this. We're going to move to communion. Okay? Moses told Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 6, And I think it certainly applies to us today regarding the whole word of God. Moses wrote this to the people of Israel. I think it applies to us. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all of your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Teach them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. My friends, this is a picture of devotion to the Word of God. And it will produce in Summit Community Church the Acts chapter 2 church that we, that we long for. All right? Let this be our prayer today. Very quickly, let me pray and we're going to go straight into communion.